Ho, and welcome to another episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie, brought to you by Killer Podcasts, an evergreen podcasts network. I'm the titular Sean. And I'm the very titular Carrie. It's the show that takes you inside the festive, the jolly, <laughs> oh? the gumdrops, and the sugar plums, huh. and tries to find an answer. Is a sugar plum just a sugared plum? We're going to try to find the answers today, oh, Carrie. Okay. I, I'm going to have to guess yes. Hmm. So, um, it is, Carrie, a Christmas special this week. It's a special Christmas week. Mm -hmm. Christmas is, um, I mean, listener, you you can listen to this whenever you want. You might be listening after Christmas, but we're recording just a few days in advance of... um, Christmas. Yeah, the big fat man's big day. As <laughs> at, Like 40s songs are always fat shaming Santa Claus. And going, <laughs> yeah. Like, Here comes the fat guy. Yeah, it feels feels negative. feels negative because Dean Martin, you're just drinking uh, whiskey and smoking cigarettes. You're not fat, of course, because you're not eating. We have a popular uh, sticker carry in our, in our merch store. Mm. Uh, I'm thinking that, uh, you know, possible holiday tie-in. Can we stop fat shaming Santa, please? Yes, uh, we do. We do have that. And if anyone else, uh, you know, wants to get a sticker or a shirt with that on it, or basically anything, really, uh, or any of our other designs. Not the Santa Claus one. We haven't actually made that one. We haven't made the Santa Claus. No, the Bigfoot. We have some Fresno Nightcrawler stuff. Um, We have D.B. Cooper. We have our cover art, everything. And we're adding more. designed by our good friend of the show, Alyssa Papakristos, uh, who designed our cover art for the pod. So if you want to head over there, I'm sure there's going to be some good sales going on this holiday season. Uh, to make it easy, you just go to the link bit.ly slash 3HR604S. So really easy. It's a lot shorter than it could be. But it's at TeePublic. You can find our store at TeePublic or just go to bit.ly slash 3HR604S. I mean, it's not that bad. It's not terrible. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Carrie, what are we doing this week? We are taking a break from the murder and mayhem of our usual rotation and... um, Mongies. Yeah, and bringing bringing the listener something fun for the holiday season, right? Yeah. So, Sean, I've had a, a hell of a week. I think we can say. And we've both been working a ton in this pre-Christmas rush. We, we both work in industries that are very about getting things done before the holidays because there's a lot to get done. Yeah. So I, I, I think most industries have an amount of that because <laughs> well, somebody yeah, will be yeah. off next week. And- but I just didn't... I just didn't have the the gumption or the gall to to get a properly researched episode. You always have the gall. <laughs> but no, this is going to be fun. I think in lieu oh, of Oh yeah. A- I just didn't want to deliver like a subpar product to our listeners, but um yeah, there was no there was no 20 pages of research uh, written out in me this week. So I thought back to when we did our fi- uh, fantasy draft over at Patreon and, and you can and, find us over there too. And we are you have been prepping for our second annual patreon Mm -hmm. fantasy football draft isn't that right yes yes and i thought it's a little late this year but just in time for the playoffs we're Mm -hmm. gonna do that so that'll be going up our our part two if you're interested in parts one and two but i thought that was kind of a fun format to sort of review all of the crazy characters and topics we've covered so far you know it's the end of the year this is when all these things get done we we have all of these little top 10 lists and all of that sure but if uh Fantasy football is for our patrons. Then, um, what is what is this episode going to be, Caroline? What could we possibly draft? Well, what we're going to do today is give the draft a holiday spin. So we're going to make our own story about saving Christmas, cast it with all of the strange folks we've covered, and then our listeners can decide which one of us assembled the better Christmas saving team. Okay, so kind of a Rankin-Bass year without a Santa Claus Mm -hmm. special. Yeah, but like we have two different casts, and then uh, voting will be up on our socials for a week, and we'll reveal the official results next episode. I know on Twitter and Patreon and Facebook, we can have actual polls, but on Instagram, just comment with your your vote if you'd rather vote there. I guess we'll we'll both... We'll both come up with movie titles for ours. Yeah, by so the end of this, I think I think we'll have the vibe. 
So some rules for this. Uh, once one of us picks a character for their team, the other can't choose it for their saving Christmas team. Yep, not for a different role, not for the same no. role, nothing. And just keep in mind, friends, um, this is just... You can't be an Ants and a Bug's Life. You know, you can't be in Deep Impact and Armageddon. Yes, sure. I'm sure there's like someone that was. But this is all in good fun. We're not actually endorsing any of the killers or whomsoever we may draft. So it's just for fun. It's not meant to be serious. And we're talking Christmas because Christmas movies are the most ubiquitous and both of us celebrate Christmas. So Right. If you celebrate in another way... um... This is just a Christmas movie for you to watch in the background at a friend's house while you get drunk on schnapps. 100%. And enjoy celebrating however uh, you do. In the words of one of my favorite podcasters, Scott Ackerman, mm. uh, big ups to people of all stars and stripes this oh, holiday brother. season. <laughs> okay. All right. So we know what order we're going in, Sean. So we have 10 Christmas characters, I guess, that we need to be casting with people that we've people or things or whatever that we've encountered in our last 115 episodes of this show. Um, So how do we want to do this? How do we want to go back and forth? Well, let's go. You've got obviously a, some kind of a plot and you have some Mm -hmm. roles in mind. Mm -hmm. So why don't you take me through? Uh, I think I can guess who's going to be, you know, involved in this uh, Christmas story. Uh, Are we casting as we go along? Yeah. Oh, I think yes. As as you go through each role, let's uh, let's do our best to cast them. Okay. All right. So we got to start off strong. Yep. Who's the lead in this picture? Santa. Of course. Santa Claus. So you know he's the big guy. Um, he sorts kids into naughty or nice. He works all year towards the big day. Delivers all the toys. Brings joy. The the symbol of Christmas. Is he going to be dealing with some kind of a crisis in this? Well, the crisis here, it's kind of a Santa Claus with an E situation. Santa's disappeared, gone, dead, whatever. And we need to replace him, but we can only replace him with people or things or whatever from our episodes. Oh, no. But uh, Carrie, if if there's no Santa Claus, what will all the all the good little boys and girls do Christmas morning? Well, that's why we have to recast them. Okay. I guess there's only there's only one question, Carrie. Why don't you take me through your decision-making process and tell me who your Santa Claus is out of all the creeps <laughs> and so, weirdos that we've covered on this podcast. So I had to start off big. And when I think, you know, bringing joy to children, when I think of... L- lots of candidates, lots of stories on this mm-hmm. podcast are, are joyful. <laughs> When I think of a a symbol known the world over, a symbol that really stands for so much, childhood memories. Carrie, I don't want you, I want to hear you say Q. No, no, we're going W as in Walt Disney. Oh, Mm -hmm. I see. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I could see. I mean, obvious connection to children's hearts. Mm -hmm. Obviously likes making people happy. Great at branding. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to keep those elves in line as far as labor relations go. You know, he has a, a firm backhand. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If the elves try to unionize, no thank you, Mm-mm. says Mr. Disney. Absolutely. He's got a good business sense, but I think he also has a touch of whimsy, too, a touch of creativity that Santa needs to have. Absolutely. I think that's really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, would you like to hear mine? Absolutely. Okay, so for Santa Claus, I'm thinking... Yes, you're right. He is jolly. Mm-hmm. And the Santa Claus I've picked might not score high in that regard. But you know what? Neither did Tim Allen at the beginning of The Santa Claus. And he really got into the holiday spirit as it went along. So mm. this guy's starting out at kind of a you know baseline level personality, I would say. But I, I would like to see him um, you know grow into the role in jolliness. Okay. Uh, what he is bringing... Santa Claus has a job description that almost no one can fill. Santa, sure. Santa Claus needs to get all over the world mm-hmm. in one night. Uh, in other words, you need not just a man, but someone with basically unlimited control over time and space. You need someone who can travel uh, wherever they want to are at you, any point. Are you picking God here? What's happening? No, but I am picking the next best thing. Andrew Baziago. <laughs> Shut up. The time traveler. <laughs> I think. 
Wow. And he doesn't have the look, but you know, he's... He'll grow into it. He'll grow into it. Yeah, like Tim Allen. Yeah, absolutely. He's got gray hair. He's, he's you know, he's a little paunchy. I'm not uh, uh, bad-mouthing Andrew's uh, physical fitness, but, I, but I, I think with a little bit, a little couple extra layers, I think mm. he could grow into the role physically. And uh, he, needs, he needs a beard, obviously. I don't know if Basiago can grow a beard. Right. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, he can get anywhere at any time. Um, Extensive training from the U.S. government mm -hmm. with Barack Obama, as you remember. Uh, A fondness for children, as he was once one. Yes, he was once one, and he saw that that little child lose his feet. Yeah. So that's something. Andrew Basiago. All right. He brings the, he already knows Jesus. So Mm. I I feel like there's some tension between Santa and Jesus sometimes. Mm -hmm. You feel that in the churches uh, around Christmas. And um, Andrew's going to go a long way towards smoothing all of that over because he personally was there at the crucifixion and he knows oh, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. All right. So yeah, Andrew Baziago, I think, is going to make a great St. Nick. Um, I have a feeling the if the hat's wool, it's going to cause hives or something. Uh, <laughs> on Mr. He seems like an allergenic guy, mm, but mm-hmm. um, I think we're going to be okay. I think we're going to be okay. All right. Yeah. Would you like... You wouldn't like a backup, would you, for Santa Claus? Um, only if you want to tell me it. I, don't... I just thought, if we take a different spin and Santa Claus isn't real, mm-hmm. and we need someone who can uh, convince children all over the world of a huge lie through smoke and mirrors and maybe some kind of visual trickery, um, I thought Joseph de Mambro from, oh. uh, from the Order of the Solar Temple. Certainly visual trickery. He's a leader. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and yes, the, the, the trickery of it all uh, is... People uh, had enough faith in him to kill themselves. Glowing swords and uh, and, and the whole deal. Uh, he, he might show up in my fantasy football draft oh, as well. Boy. You're going to have to tune in, patrons, and find out. All right. All right. Well, moving, moving forward. So we have Santa. He's either Walt Disney or Andrew Basiago. Now we need the Mrs. Claus. This is Santa Claus 2 with an E. By the way, I I think we can all agree Disney has more of the personality Mm -hmm. in in place for Santa Claus. How's he getting all over the world? You got to give it to Basiago on that one. I'm sorry. (laughs) Just had to make my pitch. Okay. So now we have Mrs. Claus. Now, you know, this could be a man, a woman, a cryptid. Doesn't matter. It's just a symbol. But the real Mrs. Claus is gone, disappeared, dead, whatever. She's the power behind the throne. She keeps everything moving while Santa is entangled in managing Christmas. Um, so this is someone that has a very strong sense of, of home and family. But, you know, she's kind of, she, she's a tough, she's got to be tough because she's on her own a lot, I'm sure. She's got all these elves pawing all over her all the time, I'm sure. So my choice. Why do you think they're pawing all over her? Because. What are these pervert elves you're thinking of? <laughs> Uh, my choice for the new Mrs. Claus is Sarah Winchester. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, we know she's comfortable being around a lot of builders. She is. She loves builders. She has a creative mind of her own. But she, at the end of the day, she would have been most happy just being with her family and supporting her husband, raising her kids, and not having to build an endless house to nowhere. So I wanted to give her a little bit of... Of a taste of that life, I think she was a she was a nice lady. She was very charitable, um, as we talked about on our Winchester Mystery House episode. She she especially gave to orphan children, and I think that could be like her thing, like uh, you know how uh, Kate Middleton has like her own patronages and charities. Uh, she's she's going to be the Kate Middleton to Santa Claus and really make sure that he's he's you know getting all of the kids, even the ones less fortunate, even the ones in random places all over the world. So Sarah Winchester, Mrs. Claus. I love it. I have to admit, I had chosen a lady, feeling like I had to choose a lady. But now that you've freed me from gender concerns, mm. I'm actually going to call call an audible on Mrs. Claus. And I think Mr. Basiago is going to be a lot happier mm. with my new choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about the power behind the throne. You talk about somebody who knows how to keep things organized. Maybe they're not the uh, main attraction or the uh, uh, the thing that, that the, the family is selling, but they are the one who gets it done, the one who gets everything organized, gets the brand in front of people. A go-getter. And so I'm thinking the perfect Mrs. Claus to Andrew Baziago's Santa is none other than Ed Warren. (laughs) 
Wow. So, I mean, Ed Warren's going to get the publicity in there. Mm-hmm. Ed Warren made a made his wife's, you know, alleged clairvoyance into a family business where they didn't mm-hmm. have to do any other stuff because they would just go and talk about uh, uh, ghost places. That's not because of Lorraine. Lorraine was too quiet to get that done. You so need- you're saying you're picking Ed over Lorraine in this role specifically because of his kind of confidence and, and go-getter status. Yes, maybe he's not the power behind anything because he wants to get in front of cameras as mm-hmm. often as he can. But I think he's going to be a great partner for Andrew, who's a little bit more reserved. And Andrew's got a lot going on, just like Lorraine does. He might have some sort of supernatural time travel-y things going on. And Ed's going to rein that in. He's going to, you know, put that on a schedule. And I think Andrew might need that. Yeah, absolutely. little authority in his life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right. So moving on, we have to have a head elf. The Bernard, if you will. The Bernard! If we're going by the Santa Claus with an E. So if Santa is the good cop... To you know, the in, elves. In the trailer for the Santa Clauses, when um, David Crumholtz comes out just like looking rough and well, just goes like, you know, did you miss me? It's like, no one's going to look you? like a, a young little elf at this point after 20 years. But anyway, if Santa's the good cop to the elves, just the, the Bernard, the head elf, is the bad cop, keeping things on schedule, keeping Santa from getting in over his head, giving into flights of fancy, because you know that Santa must be prone to that. And uh, along and- with Mrs. Claus, this head elf slash Bernard needs to keep things under control. Yeah, sure. I mean, Basiago is made of flights of fancy. Mm-hmm. His For whole sure. backstory is flights of fancy. Literally. So we we need we need a Bernard in here to keep things moving and and keep things on schedule. And so when I think of kind of a bad cop who's in a position of power, but well-respected by his crew, um, people would do anything for him. There's sort of a sense of like fear and admiration. Uh, I got to go Blackbeard. I love it. So you think... <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of Walt Disney working with Blackbeard too. How do you mm-hmm. th- how uh, what do you think that team would be like? You know, I genuinely think it's very much kind of a a Danny Glover Glover Mel Gibson uh, lethal weapon situation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is a Christmas movie, so it feels correct. You know, Santa, he's kind of all over the place. He's like, I want to do this. I want to be there. We're going to make this this year. And so this head elf, this Bernard figure is like, I'm too old for this shit. I'm just trying to get to the end of the day. I'm just trying to keep on schedule, keep my to-do list short, you know, things like that. So that feels like a Blackbeard kind of thing where by the end of Blackbeard's life, he's just trying to get to the next port. Uh, for sure. And yes, yeah, so, yeah, stay ahead of the law. And he's well respected. And, you know, there's an element of fear there that I think is important for anyone in power. There's absolutely an element of fear. I'm a little worried that Disney's also going to be afraid of his head elf. Mm-hmm. But um, other than that. Oh, here's the other thing. How important do you think literacy is going to be in this job? <laughs> I think if you're a magical elf, like let's say you can kind of. Well, he's a pirate. No, but here, here's the thing. If we're going by Santa Claus rules with an E, then that means that he he starts. All of these people will start to get the magical characteristics of the characters they're inhabiting. Immortal Blackbeard. Mm-hmm. So, so Blackbeard will become an immortal elf, and, and Disney will be able to go all over the world and stuff. He won't have the experience, say, that um, Andrew Basiago does in time traveling, but I'm sure he can learn. Does that mean Disney's going to put on a bunch of weight, too? I think that's going to... Yeah, I mean, I think that'll... Either of them. It's like when he tried to give up smoking. Mm. Um... For my head elf, I did go with a man of letters. <laughs> I went with uh, an educated, a lawyer, somebody who is uh, uh, familiar with the ins and outs uh, of a legal syst- a system of rules, someone who is used to organizing groups of people around one concept, and somebody who nobody wants to get in his way. Because mm-hmm. my head elf is Maximilian Robespierre. <laughs> oh, Wow. The French lawyer and legislator from the revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he would set up a nice little guillotine right in the middle of the workshop. Is that a little grim for the North Pole? Well, Carrie, a guillotine. What you fail to recognize is that wow. 
terror is itself an expression of virtue. It is virtue's most outmost uh, oh, uh, expression barf. because it's the only thing you can you can use to keep uh, keep people keep you know the, the sheep kind of on the path um, of virtuousness. Or so Robespierre would tell you, and so he will tell Santa <laughs> as he's as he's lining up the next uh, round. Of little elves. By the way, the elves in my version are nightcrawlers, <laughs> little Fresno nightcrawlers. Oh, okay, that's and, fun. Yep, and he's just marching them all, just little legs marching mm-hmm. one by one to the guillotine. But the fun thing there is, how do you guillotine a nightcrawler? In half, I would assume. It's just a set of legs. <laughs> um, so yeah, Maximilian Robespierre, head elf. All right. Uh, next, we have. Someone who is an assistant to Santa Claus, another kind of bad cop figure to his jolly good cop. Worse than Robespierre? Yes. Well, he's the one that has to handle the naughty kids hands-on. This is a a monster who scares and possibly kills children who have misbehaved. Joel the Lump of Coal? Krampus. Or Ah, Krampus. Krampus. Uh, Krampus the monster, the demon, the ghoul, whatever he might be. He's got to work with Santa, um, but his, his thing is the naughty kids. He's either killing them, he scares them, he, he might be kidnapping them. We talk about Krampus, of course, in our uh, Santa Claus Dark Origins episode from last holiday season. Mm-hmm. And so for me, there was really only one real answer for this. Now, I feel the exact same way. I've been surprised so far that we haven't had any crossover <laughs> whatsoever. I've been able to go with my first choices down the line. This might be where we butt heads, Carrie. Mm-hmm. Who is your Krampus? My Krampus, my Krampus, is the one, the only, Slender Man. Aha! I had him in second place here. Mm-hmm. I think he's a strong choice. Mm-hmm. Very strong choice for Krampus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's, he's scaring children for sure. He's all over the place. He, he's got those long legs. He's running all over. Um, he seems like someone who's like a, a dark kind of character that a, a 40s Disney movie like a Fantasia would have in it. So I feel like he could work with Walt Disney. Um, you know, like, unfortunately, uh, the darker minded kids are already attracted to Slender Man. And I'm thinking maybe at some point, you know, there's going to be like a Lucifer situation, a fallen angel. He's trying to amass his own proxies out of all these naughty children. Maybe this... try to take Santa down, and that would be an interesting film. So is Krampus the the villain in this film? Not yet. This is this is an origin story. But I feel like, you know, by the end of this film, much like a Marvel movie or whatever, we get a post credit sequence where he's like, hmm, maybe I could rule Christmas. You cool. Know. Okay. So that's that's my pick for the Krampus. Okay. Well, I think that's a great pick. Children are already afraid of him. He's associated with children. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes sense up and down. Here's why I didn't go with Slenderman. Because to me, well, what does Krampus do after he takes the children? It varies from mythology to mythology. He could kill them, I... or they disappear, or he just scares them. I think in many of the legends, though, he does eat children. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Okay. And, and there's only one person we've ever covered on Ain't It Scary so with, far. with Sean and Carrie who probably has eaten a child. Yep. And that's why my Krampus oh, God. is none other than Tarar, mm-hmm. the French peasant and showman and the hungriest man who ever lived. Yeah. Uh, Tarar, I mean... Here's the problem is keeping him on task because he's just kind of he's going to shuffle from place to place, just shoving whatever garbage he can find. That's the thing. Yeah. But if you can direct him at the naughty ch- children, find a way to weaponize Tarar. Give him, give him a little riddle in or something. Get him to focus. I don't think there's going to be anybody left on the naughty list because he will never <laughs> not be hungry. Hmm. So we're going straight to child eating. We're not we're not just scaring children here. We're not lump of lump of coaling them. We're killing them. That's right. And, and in, in the second, in my sequel, Tarar Goes Too Far. And th- that might even be the title. <laughs> Two with a, with a T-W-O. Yes. Um, in the sequel, Tarar Goes Too Far and we have to take him down. Okay. So, so in either way, we're, we're, getting eating... a, we're getting a devious Krampus out of this. Well, Krampus should be. Mm-hmm. And I think we agree that Krampus is being set up as a future villain, even though he's kind of an anti-hero in this 
episode. Yeah, we're going we're going like a Loki situation here. Like, is he good? Is he bad? Depends oh, on the movie. Plus series in a couple of years. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Well, we've got all of the main North Pole figures mm-hmm. all lined up. So maybe that's time to take a break, Carrie. All right. Well, we got six more characters to cast. Six so. more characters. Let's go. Uh, I can't, the listener is is going to be on tenterhooks, wondering who else we can fit into this North Pole drama. Center hooks. Santa? Santa hooks. That's good. Popo Gijo. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there. Welcome back. I have a steaming hot mug of eggnog here. Ew. Because the refrigerator's not working. But uh, it's a holly jolly Christmas other than that. Uh, Caroline, we have gotten through... I mean, the players that would jump to anyone's mind when we're making this Rankin-Bass-style kind of claymation Christmas special. You got your Santa Claus. You got your Mrs. Claus. You've got a head elf, a.k.a. Bernard. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got a Krampusch. Mm-hmm. That was only four characters, and you seemed to imply there are six more? Yeah, ten total. So how are we filling out our Christmas roster here? Because I'm racking my brains for any (laughs) other uh, North Pole characters. Uh, No North Pole people, like things. I don't know. Um, No more North Pole, but we're we're going to go... We're gonna go down to Earth and um, and maybe the Beyond a little bit. Oh, well, that's on brand. View, and we're gonna begin with a character from Charles Dickens's A Christmas Carol, Mister Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, we're bringing Scrooge in. Is this like a B plot? <laughs> we can be sure. Like, is the Christmas Carol just happening mm-hmm. underneath all this? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so we all know Scrooge. I mean, there's been like 500 versions of that story. But, you know, he's a rich miser who has a visit from three ghosts to show him the meaning of love and charity and Christmas. He's kind of a Grinch type. You know, he starts off a real meanie and then his heart grows three sizes. So who? You know, Scrooge might be kind of the villain of the piece if he is in charge. He owns a toy company or something, mm. and he's gonna stop. This is my movie. He's gonna <laughs> stop production on all the toys before Christmas. Mm. And so Andrew Baziago, as the new Santa Claus, has to help the ghosts that we're gonna talk about. I assume in a minute mm-hmm. uh, to bring my Scrooge around, and we'll see who my Scrooge is in a moment. Interesting. Well, so so I was really concentrating on like the older aspect, you know, a bit out of touch with society and and human kindness, maybe um, rich, certainly, and um, someone who, if they if they were in a position of power and um, they learned about the real struggles of of people and and things like that it would be it would be good it would benefit the world if they were to have kind of a whole character arc there and so i chose the former prince charles 
King Charles III of England, who we discussed in our Princess Diana series. Wow, Dominic West himself no, from The Wire. No, no, no. <laughs> Too who, good looking to be Charles. That's who plays him on The Crown, uh, listener. Um, so King Charles III of England is our Ebenezer Scrooge, who needs to be visited by three ghosts to learn uh, how to be a, a normal person and love. It's really bold to keep the Charles after... You know, after what happened with the first two. People were speculating he wouldn't, but he sure did. Um, okay, so w- what lessons do you think he needs to learn? Well, he needs to learn. Um, I think he's grown up in a in a world that is catered to him, but it is also very formal and strange. And he just needs to learn what real people do and the real struggles of the um, of the, the lower classes, if you will. And um, and in learning that he couldn't he make their lives better like Scrooge does. Hasn't he? Uh, hasn't he been like an advocate for education his whole life? And I'm just saying, he could be better. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he could have treated his wife better, certainly. Certainly that. But now he's just in love and and being a king. Okay. Just short king. <laughs> All right. So my my Scrooge is Prince King Charles. I love it. I think it's a great choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I with Ebenezer Scrooge, what I was going for was somebody with like a real Grinch, somebody whose heart is just shriveled up inside their chest. They uh, yes, wealthy, that's important, but but they have to be they have to be able to make a full change into goodness. It has to be believable. Everyone can make a full change into goodness, Carrie, even. The Reverend Cotton Mather. Absolutely not. Who is my Ebenezer Scrooge. No, no. Piece of shit Cotton Mather. Who needs it more? (sighs) And when you hear who my ghosts are, they're going to bring this guy around. Okay. I'm very confident. Okay. Um, So Reverend Cotton Mather, obviously uh, one of the uh movers and shakers behind the horrific salem witch trials uh also witch burnings in america early america more generally which hangings we never burned sorry which trials in uh <sighs> america more generally mm-hmm. um he was a puritan minister who gave all kinds of horrible sermons about how everyone was going to hell he was a, a hateful man and he obviously uh, the puritans didn't celebrate christmas by the way so who more perfect than Cotton Mather to learn the joy and meaning of Christmas. And if he's brought around, the whole audience is in tears. This is a character arc. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought I, about I, get ma- it. I thought about making it Henry VIII. He's already having fun at Christmas. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. So I go Reverend Cotton Mather. All right. Well. Um, and, and Andrew Baziago is going to help him see the, see the way. <laughs> so we're going to skip over Jacob Marley, who is technically the first spirit that visits Scrooge. Um, and Seems feels like a Tony Valor to me. Uh, t- Tony, like, we got to get a Tony Valor pop in there. Or you know who would look great wrapped in chains is Poe, but I don't know if you have him coming later on. <laughs> yeah, Edgar Allan Poe just kind of. Oh, I thought our dog Poe. No, <laughs> I did consider Edgar Allan Poe for for any of these ghosts because he's a spooky guy. But yeah, uh, Jacob Marley might work, and because he's probably a ghost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we're going to go with the ghost of Christmas past first. And this is a strange kind of otherworldly being that shimmers and flickers in the candlelight, constantly changing in appearance as it reflects Scrooge's memories back to him, both old and new. So very, very changing, very supernatural. And there was also this emphasis on like both young and old at the same time. And so I chose Mercy Brown the possible little vampire girl. Well, this is great. She drank the blood of her uh, siblings from beyond the grave. Maybe, maybe. Um, she could, she could, she has a reason to haunt because she was dug up and uh, had her heart carved out so her brother could eat it so he wouldn't become a vampire. Does she have a reason to help Cotton Mather see the light or help uh, uh, Prince Charles Prince Charles see the light? N- I listen, I could have we've talked about enough that I could have just gone, oh, the ghosts are Princess Diana and Henry VIII and like have all them all be 
people related to the royal family, but I was kind of going more for the characters, right? Because Scrooge doesn't necessarily know these ghosts personally, aside from Jacob Marley, um, but they still managed to change his perspective and his life. And I think Mercy Brown could do that. She's got that kind of young and old thing at the same time, because she's like a little vampire girl, kind of like the one, the Claudia in Interview with a Vampire, where she's like very mature, but she looks like a little girl. Um, she's kind of changing in appearance because uh, she stays a vampire, so she doesn't rot when she dies. And um, and she's she's kind of this this innocent child that I think would be a good first stop for our uh, Prince King Charles to to meet and um, be be changed by. Beautiful. Mm. I think Mercy Brown's an inspired choice. Thank you. Um, when you were naming just various British royal family ghosts, I was worried that you would stumble upon my choice for the ghost of Christmas past, mm -hmm. which is the two princes from the <gasps> Tower of London. Oh, the two princes that were probably murdered by Richard III or associates. Probably murdered, but may have survived and lived into adulthood in obscurity. Um, if they did die, no one knows who killed them. So I feel like the like young and old person, there's this Schrodinger's uh, little boys. Yes, these, these they they could be both young and old at the same time because we don't know their fate. And there's so many different interpretations of that story. Were they murdered? Who murdered them? If mm -hmm. so, uh, that everyone just kind of looks at them and takes what they want to out of them. Mm -hmm. And so, to me, that is the archetypal Dickens description of the uh, ghost of Christmas past. And um, you know, I think if two haunting little boys <laughs> slash adult men. That uh, may have been killed by a possible ancestor? Uh, uncle. No, ancestor to Charles. Oh, yes. Well, for well, me, it's for you, Cotton it's Mather. Cotton Mather, yeah. But still, he, he, I mean, he put a little girl in prison or helped. So, he, you know, he needs to learn that children shouldn't be uh, tortured or imprisoned. <laughs> and, well, that's my other point. These two are victims of, yeah, unlawful imprisonment and, and children. So, uh, it's kind of facing Cotton up with the... Um, with his own sins. Also, did these boys die before or after Cotton Mather was kicking around? Oh, before. So, okay. So, it is, it is still Christmas past. Yes. But now, we're going to the ghost of Christmas present. And this is the personification of the Christmas spirit. It's, also, it's always depicted as kind of a, a jolly giant, you know, very gregarious, combining um, ideal and real and supernatural aspects with humor and sympathy he's kind of he's the nice one um you he's know got, he's, he's not creepy in any way yeah he's he's got a very dionysus-esque quality to him he has like a cornucopia with him and stuff yeah he's always drinking wine and and he's like oh he's he's very santa-esque in, in how santa is traditionally depicted but i was i was thinking of uh someone who who kind of embodies that that sort of larger, uh, gregarious uh, charisma, charisma for sure, because I feel like in every depiction, it's very charismatic, the, the ghost of Christmas present. Nerve, talent. Exactly. Not RuPaul, but Elvis Presley. This is beautiful. I like this. <laughs> he loves to eat. Well, okay. since I've seen the present. Elvis, we know from his album, Loved Christmas. Okay, he's he's kind yeah, of a symbol of special. yes, he's kind of a Christmas symbol. Um, he was he was a bigger boy by the end there, very iconic as a bigger boy. Yeah, absolutely. But also Fat known King. also known for both his enjoyment of life's pleasures and um, his generosity in bestowing those pleasures upon others, uh, usually to his detriment. He was probably pretty badly in debt by the time he passed away. So I love Elvis as a Dionysian figure. I think that's great. Yeah. So he, he's going to be, and you know, Charles might've even met him in life. Um, certainly knew who he was. So I feel like it's an interesting figure to bring in there um, as a kind of the symbol of like charisma and positivity, but like be careful because you don't want to overindulge. That's I love it. So that's my choice for Christmas present. Uh, really leaning into the horn of plenty aspect of this here. I went some with somebody who blesses his followers with, uh, with fertility and crops in the year to come. 
Oh God. Um, I went with the the man who guarantees dinner on every table. I went with none other than Chippy Totec, <laughs> our Lord Flayed, mm-hmm. the um, Aztec fertility god. Different vibe, probably more disturbing. Well, yeah, than well, Elvis. Listen, it's still supposed to be a ghost, so I want it to I be. I guess. And Cotton Mather's going to flip a shit when Chippy Totec shows up. When he up. finds that there's another god? Yeah. Well, that first. <laughs> but also, Chippy Totec shows up wearing, remember, all this human skin. Yeah. His statues always have, like, extra fingers, which is supposed to be the hand of the, like, extra Ugh. skin suit hanging down. Um, so Chippy Totec. This is a grim, a grim avenue to take with this character. The two princes were a grim avenue. Chippy yeah. Totec is fun. Yeah. I mean, we both chose dead children so you know he's wearing his fun little bubbly suit of like human Ugh, of skin fat pustules it's disgusting and uh uh listener if you missed our human sacrifice episode just go look up chippy totec mm. and um yeah i think that he again horn of plenty uh he's gonna show cotton all the good things that he could be having if he was engaging in um the warmth of human kindness and occasional human sacrifice mm-hmm Interesting. Which our Lord Flayed also demands, naturally. <laughs> okay. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, now we have the ghost of Christmas yet to come. And this is the one to me that definitely should be creepy. He's kind of a, they, I guess, is a, kind of a grim reaper figure. The ghost of Christmas yet to come is introduced in the Christmas Carol as a ominous, silent figure. Uh Quote, a solemn phantom draped and hooded coming like a mist along the ground towards him. Scrooge feared the silent shape so much that his legs trembled beneath him and he found that he could hardly stand when he prepared to follow it. It's really a personification of death. And who who do I feel is a personification of death has kind of this recognizable mysterious image would certainly hit a nerve with Prince King Charles Uh-oh. as Scrooge. I went with Jack the Ripper. Oh, as the ghost of Christmas. Is, how do you think he manifests? Is it a gentleman Jack? It's gentleman Jack for sure. No face. It's like a shadow. Kind of like how it's depicted um, basically anywhere. The Christmas yet to come is always like a grim reaper with no, like, like a black face or sometimes it's, I think it's sometimes Scrooge, right? Uh, you, when he draws, when he finally draws the hood back yeah. in like the Disney one. I like think. I'm the villain kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I think it's, it's Scrooge McDuck. And I think me. in that way, Jack the Ripper really represents, as Gentleman Jack, of course, really represents the idea of the, the upper classes, classes preying on the lower classes. Mm-hmm. This this mysterious, faceless figure kind of preying on these these lower class people so um it, his he's not wearing a hood his face is just overshadowed by his large top it's just hat. like a shadow basically and it's got a he's got a top hat and a high collar um so it's how ha- and and charles would recognize this as jack the ripper it's like the classic jack the ripper look and you know you have that kind of bit in the back of like oh was Prince Albert or whatever. Uh, the Prince real, Albert Victor. Yeah, the real Jack the Ripper, my ancestor. You know, so it's kind of got this thing of like... Oh, that's if, when he reveals his face. That's what it is. It's Prince Albert Victor. Exactly. And he recognizes him from a portrait, Sean, in Buckingham Palace. And he goes, oh, I've got this darkness in me. I've had it all along. It, it came from my ancestors. I need to work against this or else I will become the darkness. Carrie, I fucking love this arc. Mm-hmm. And so uh, goes to Christmas yet to come. Jack the Ripper. Okay. Uh, you are right. You are right that we need someone mysterious. Mm-hmm. You are right that we need someone frightening. Mm-hmm. But also someone who is committed to helping people enjoy the sights and sounds around them to helping people enjoy life mm-hmm. and really get the most out of it. Um, somebody who loves music. And so that's why I'm going with similar to you. This is a, we don't know exactly who this person is, Oh, <laughs> but I think the ghost of Christmas yet to come is the ax man of new Orleans. Uh huh. Don't hurt me, Papa. Don't hurt me, Papa. And so how would he be depicted to uh, cotton Mather? Oh, I think you would see his face. Hmm. I think he would be a jazz trumpeter. Mm. 
um, with an axe slung over his shoulder. Of course. The, the trumpet's like hanging from his belt. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I think he's just, um, he's pretty, pretty nondescript except for the fucking axe hanging over his, yeah. his back. And he's always, uh, muttering some jazz under his breath. <laughs> you know, muttering jazz. And what we know about the axe man is that if people weren't listening, if people weren't jazzing it up. He was going to kill him. That's who he was going to kill. So he wants everyone to have a good time. Kind or of, else. <laughs> yep. Kind of like the ghost of Christmas present, Chippy Totec. He wants to make sure that everyone's enjoying themselves around Christmas and living life to its fullest. Because, as the Axeman reminded us, it is so brief. Wow. Wow. That's pretty deep, Sean. So that's the end of our Christmas Carol segment, okay? So this is our little B-plot going on. And now we have two characters that can fit in basically anywhere. Um, Felt very archetypal to a classic Christmas movie. But, you know, they're here without any of the other characters in their storylines. But they fit. And the first one that I chose was Clarence the Angel from It's a Wonderful Life. Um, sure, of course. So he, he's the angel that's trying to earn his wings. He's bumbling but well-meaning. He, he's very good at showing George Bailey, Jimmy Stewart, the, um, the positive effect that he's had on the world. Uh, he, he's, he's a good character. He's kind of a ghost of Christmas, blah blah but instead of um, being scary. He's he's a guide. He's a gentle spirit. And for he's, s- he's also kind of bumbling, and he seems yes. to be drunk. Goofy today. a little bit, but very sweet. And so I was thinking, who's kind of, you know, seen as like lighthearted, goofy, but, you know, deep down is definitely very smart, Um you would want them to be around kind of showing you this stuff. And so I chose Paul McCartney Oh well, as I Clarence see, the Angel. He has those sad, sleepy eyes. He has the sad eyes, but he, he's also, he's very whimsical. Paul McCartney's always been very whimsical. Oh, so you're going to jump off a bridge, pippity pip. Huh? I mean, I feel like he would, he would take this role with with a lightheartedness but also a sincerity i think paul more than any other beetle and of course we we discussed the paul is dead rumors on our our um podcast which is why i'm bringing him up but more than any other beetle he's got he's very sincere um and so i think that really lends itself to this sort of guiding role so there's this man you know and he's saying <laughs> I'm better off uh, dead than alive. And I was like, hey, man, you look sound as a pound to me, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's my Clarence the Angel, Paul, Sir Paul McCartney. Uh, I so Thank you for giving him his proper titles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I just made a game time decision. Mm. I'm going to swap out who I was going to use and uh, let's get the sad eyes of Edgar Allan Poe. I think, I think this is where we get him in. And at the end... After he helps, because the ghosts have failed. Oh, he becomes an angel? He gets raven wings. No. <laughs> and he flies up to heaven. I mean, listen, I'm not supposed to be rooting for your choices here, but I love that because I love that kind of redemption for him. And there is that, that mystery of whether he did kill himself, which I feel like would lend itself to a George Bailey oh, situation. Yep. And he was kindly. He was. But also a sad sack and a drunk. <laughs> he was, yeah. So Clarence, all over to me. It's Clarence all over yeah. again. I, w- I was going to say Mike Hughes, the Flat Earth Daredevil, because nobody mm. needs wings more than that guy. But. Oh, boy. I like Poe. I like Poe for this. Edgar Allen. Oh, I thought you meant our dog. <laughs> I love Poe. And our last Christmassy character, the last person in our cast. Yep, as we're wrapping up here, I can hear the sleigh bells in the distance. Someone's, someone's going to be tip-tapping on that chimney any moment now. Oh, 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 oh. Wow, there he is. Now, Poe, you leave him alone! <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> We've got the hero of Christmas, the one who saves Christmas spirit from destruction, um, resilient, quippy. Well, we already did Santa Claus. John McClane. Oh, as, quippy! As played by Bruce Willis in Die Hard, which is a Christmas movie. Okay, so we need someone who doesn't understand rap music. Sure, but what we need is... We need a hero, Sean. We do. Santa Santa is 
is a god, okay? And so we don't really hero worship God. God is, is, a, is an idea, is a force, is an omnipotent being. We need a man. We need a guy or a girl or whatever. Someone human who has human flaws, but at the end of the day will show up, be a little aggressive, but will defend Christmas from the darkness and the demons. And if I'm thinking of anyone that we've ever mentioned, it's going to be Zach Bagans. Oh, this is a pretty good call. Yeah. He's quippy, okay? He's got his quotes. He's always looking for a fight. He is he is a a fighter on the side of good. He's got his little outfit that he always wears just like John McClane. Um you know, he he sometimes doesn't think things through when he when he threatens his ghosts. Uh, but he's he's willing to do that because he's trying to get to the truth, and I think Zach Bagans will save Christmas. Um, I he might, or he might get distracted by a ghost hunt. Who knows? <laughs> uh, if he has to fly to wherever he's going, I don't think he's going to make it there. Um, <laughs> Neither am I, Zach. So that's fine. And John McClane does have to get on a plane at the beginning of that movie. But mm. that said, for me, John McClane is two things first and foremost. Obviously, he's he's brave. He loves his wife. He's got quips. First and foremost, you can't do a diehard movie without... He's an everyday guy. He's a New York police officer. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm going with Tony Valor. Tony Valor? Retired wow. NYPD officer and UFO witness. He's got the name. He's got the name. He's got the name. Tony Valor's not a guy that Bruce Willis plays? Yeah, you know, he's got a... He's got a, a a complicated relationship with his wife where he's trying to christen the house in our uh, Hudson Valley UFOs episode with the, the champagne. God and she's it, like, Tony! she's like mad at him. I mean, there's that, there's that tension there. Yeah. So after he gets kicked out, it's that happened a, around new years. So we're thinking holiday season. It's going to be a reverse diehard. Cause he'll be flying from like San Diego to Westchester. Oh yeah. <laughs> after he move f- flies out after the marriage falls apart. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony Valor. Yeah. And at the end, Guess what? It's not a Christmas day. By the end, it's New Year's Day mm-hmm. or New Year's Eve. And Tony Valor smashes a, uh, a bottle of champagne on the side of his boat, which is still in his wife's driveway. And he drinks a victory drink. Wow. After he saves the day. That's wow. credits roll. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. So, so just to go through it, um, for Santa, I well, can't... Go through your whole cast. Right. So Santa is Walt Disney for me. Mrs. Claus is Sarah Winchester. The head elf, a.k.a. Bernard, is Blackbeard. <laughs> Krampus. He's so big. Krampus is uh, Slender Man, of course. Ebenezer Scrooge is the now King Charles III. Uh-huh. The ghost of Christmas past is the little vampire girl, Mercy Brown. The ghost of Christmas present is Later Days Elvis. The ghost of Christmas yet to come is Gentleman Jack the Ripper. Clarence the Angel is portrayed, of course, by Paul McCartney. As no one else could. And the hero of Christmas who saves the day, John McClane, is Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures. Oh, man, I'm just trying to get my wings, you know. I'm just a lad from Liverpool. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and, and in mine, we have... Uh, which is Santa Claus Voyages Across Time. Oh, oh, I need to come up with one. That yeah. does sound like a Doctor Who episode. Yeah, but it's not. It's a Dr. Basiago episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Santa Claus, the role will be assayed by Andrew Basiago himself. He'll do a lot of assaying, I'm sure. He'll do a lot of assing, for sure. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Claus will be taken on by Ed Warren. <laughs> yep, <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, we have the head elf in charge of the workshop is Maximilian Robespierre. Mm-hmm. Uh, Krampus, in charge of eating the naughty children, is Tarar. Mm-hmm. Ebenezer Scrooge will be the Reverend Cotton Mather. Dickhead. And he will learn his lesson with the help of Ghost of Christmas Past, the two princes oh, from him. the Tower of London, Ghost of Christmas Present, even grimmer, Chippy Totec. Mm-hmm. It might be Hippy Totec, by the way. Mm. I'm not going to, it's too late to turn back now. It's <laughs> Chippy Totec. And uh, the Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come, played by the Axeman of New Orleans. Again, don't hurt me, Papa. That's not part of his name. That's just a disclaimer I have to give. 
Uh, Clarence the Angel will be played by noted sad sack and drunk Edgar <laughs> Allan Poe, who we love, mm-hmm. and John McClane, none other than Tony Valor. Mm-hmm. All right. Of Westchester County. So, um, I don't, I need a name for mine. So yours is Santa Claus Voyages Across Time? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, hmm. Also, they definitely, they meet Lincoln at some point, because it's Basiago. Lincoln was one of my backups for the Ghost of Christmas Present. I, I thought of using, <laughs> John McClane might have been Charles Guiteau, the man who shot James Garfield. I'm shocked it wasn't D.B. Cooper. I thought about that, A too. daredevil, you know? Well, John McClane's not a daredevil. John McClane... He's r- jumping from things. He's stepping on broken glass, and it hurts. The Wonderful World of Disney presents Christmas Slay, and it's S-L-A-Y. Wow. Oh, is this going to be violent? I mean, Zach Bagans is involved, so I'm sure he's beating up ghosts. Sure, he's going to be beating up <laughs> ghosts, but, but Christmas Slay? Yeah. Mine's the one with the guillotine. Well, <laughs> okay. uh, I couldn't think of anything else. Listeners, let us know which one of these you would like to see, mm-hmm. and we will do our best to get funding by next Christmas. <laughs> uh-huh. Put this thing, get this thing out in theaters. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and for our patrons, check in soon for more of this style of nonsense mm. as we do our Ain't It Scary fantasy draft for the second year in a row. Um, we love you all. Yeah, we'll come back with an end-of-year news roundup next episode. But for now, we just want to remind you all to vote on who you thought, uh, I guess, won Christmas between me and Sean and our our movies. Voting will be going up on our socials after the episode drops. Um, The proper polls will be on Facebook, Patreon, and Twitter. And... Second, of course, we want you to have a wonderful holiday. We know that Hanukkah has already started for our Jewish friends. Today, the day we're recording, is the winter solstice, so Yule begins now for other witchy folk like me. Uh, We have Christmas coming on Sunday, is it, Sean? Um, Oh, boy. Saturday or Sunday? I think it's Sunday. Uh, Kwanzaa begins right after that, along with Boxing Day for our British friends, and then, of course, New Year's. I'm sure we're missing some holidays, not intentionally, but in this time of reflection, we hope that you have a lovely, peaceful holiday time. We'll talk to you once more next week before we switch over to 2023. But until then, have a great time and drive safe. And drive sober, please. Oh, well, obviously. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins, convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, or steal your house. I get a phone call from my wife, and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out. I can no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. And you'll hear it from the experts, people who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6,000 cash, give us each 3,000, we give you this. Uh You go home, and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done, and that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found. That's it for this episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ain't It Scary. And check out our website at ain'titscary.com. You can support the show by supporting our sponsors and becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash ain't it scary. You can call us and leave a message at our Google voice number 203-666-5529. And please subscribe to the show and throw us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and also on Spotify. We'll be forever grateful. We certainly will. And special thanks to our beloved top-tier patrons, Nate Curtis, Sean O'Donnell, Jared Chamberlain, Maria Ferrante, Robin McCabe, Comfy Mike, Alex Nakutis, Ryan Regan, Christy Atchison, Ira, Kate Pope, and Haley. We love you guys and Merry Christmas and happy whatever holiday. See you next Thursday. Show created by Sean and Carrie McCabe. Music by Kyle Ryan. You can find Kyle at his YouTube channel, Music is a Verb. 
Ain't It Scary has been brought to you by Killer Podcasts and is a production of Longboy Media. Hi, this is Amy and Vanessa from She Goes by Jane, where we shine light on the stories of missing and unidentified women. On November 7th, we're sharing Nahida's story for the first time in a podcast. And this is a story that I thought I knew, but after reading police reports, became more complicated than I thought. When investigators are called to Nahida Khatib's house, everything looks fine. Her purse is on the kitchen table, her cup of coffee is on the counter, and her two-year-old niece is in her playpen. The only thing amiss? Nahida is missing. Every week, we feature a poem written in honor of the person we're talking about. This week, we're joined by one of our favorite actresses. You might know her from Sister Act or King of the Hill or The Descendants. But if you're like us, you'll know her from Hocus Pocus. She's the much-beloved Kathy Najimy. Join us November 7th to hear Nahida's story.